Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Podcasting. Podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Prime Podcast. Independent, unfiltered, and uncensored. Beginning in three, two, one. Everyone right. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. What's been happening? Oh, not much. We're both on the prison island. So, you know, our whereabouts and what we can do is somewhat limited, but uh, doing okay otherwise. So you're up in Queensland, is that right? No, I'm actually in New South Wales. New South Wales. Okay. Whereabouts? Uh, I'm in regional New South Wales. So I live out in the country. Um, Lucky. which is a little bit better than being in the city. I think I can escape it somewhat, but it's still up here. Surprisingly, the country has not avoided the madness. How do they, how does the country folks respond to this as opposed to people in the city? Cause I know people in the city are very um, over the top. Let's be honest. A lot of them are over the top. And, and I feel like sort of in country towns it's probably a little bit more relaxed what's the perspective out there from people as opposed to in the city well so I deal with cattle on the farm and I've got like stock trucks and other farmers and stuff that come and have to do work and we all don't wear masks and we all basically rip on the government but then the very same people that come here and do that when you go into town around like the town center and the main shopping center they all go put their masks on. They all will line up for their vaccinations just the same as you would in the city. I think the difference being in the country is everybody knows your business. So, um, for example, I'm unmasked out here and a lot of people uh, know that I'm unmasked because there's not many people and they know who I am. But, yeah, at the same time, you can't escape or hide in the crowd so to speak, um, like the city. So it's got its good uh, things, but, yeah, sadly, the madness is here. The police up here are the same as in the city. You see them up and down the main street looking like they're looking for, like, someone who's just done a robbery or a break and enter, you know, looking uh, out their windows and then they see someone unmasked on the street outside and they'll pull them over quickly and you're thinking, what's going on? And and you see a poor little 17-year-old kid whip out a mask and put it on. You're like, oh, wow. So it's here. Uh, can't escape it. That's, you know, I, I lived, uh, I don't think how long ago it was, it was a while ago, maybe like 20 hold on, maybe like 20, 2011, 2012, I spent some time in Goulburn. Right, yeah. Um, which is rural, compared to the city, right, um, mm. quite rural. And, you know, the people up there were sort of, they're just, they're just hard, like they were just tough people. Like, and you would mm. never think that those same people would be willing or as willing to put a mask on and line up for their vaccine and all the rest of it. But it seems like it's just captivated everybody like it, i think a lot of it has to do with just ease and comfort like they'd rather just go along with it than fight against it because we know exactly what it's like um to go against it and even in the sense where i'm not everything i do is for myself and my family right so i don't not wear a mask and think how oh, that's because of the government it's not it's it's personal it's for me but yet you are going at the same time you are going against the government the government's a huge machine um, and it can, you know what it's like, it's tiring, it wears you down. Um, and definitely it would have been easier for me just to put a mask on and get vaccinated 
and just go with the flow like everybody else. But um, I'm just surprised that so many people out there, especially in places like that, country towns, that those people are still complying and lining up just like everyone is in the city. I think a lot of it could be generational as well, because out in the country, we don't have a very young population group. So most of my neighbours um, are in their 80s. So they've lived and worked on the land. They're fourth generational farmers. This is all they've done. This is all they've known. And they come from that generation and that time period where you could kind of trust the government. I mean, I'm a little bit, I would say, past red pill with a lot of my yeah. views on things. So I would say that the government has never really been trustworthy in a very long time, but it was probably, yeah, they're probably part of the generation where you could just turn on the ABC, you'd put on your radio because there was probably no TV reception out here back then. You'd listen to the mainstream radio or TV and you just believed what you were told because you didn't really have a reason to not believe. We didn't have the modern technologies, the social media, all of these other outlets where we could search for alternative versions of the truth. Well, I don't think there are versions, but we could search for alternative um, perspectives and have objective debates in other forums. So I think out in the country, while they're tough and whilst they're more resilient to maybe city folk who have it easy, they're part of that generation that could just be fit. They just would eat and feed off what the government were telling them. And so myself coming out here as a first generational farmer with my little family, um, it's sort of like I'm new to this area. And so I can look elsewhere. Um, and I have some neighbours across the road from me who are fourth generational farmer, but they're my age group and they've got a couple of young kids. They're fully vaccinated, um, lovely human beings, and they accept me and they're fine. And I'm slowly drip feeding them other things and I can start seeing their eyes starting to awaken. And I just don't think they've ever heard of alternate news before. So I do think we're tougher out in the country. Let's, there's no denying Definitely. it, but I think it comes from that sort of place maybe. Yeah, and I get that. I understand, you know, look, if an 80, I don't know, obviously I'm not in my 80s, but you would consider getting vaccinated. And and even the people I've spoken mm. to, like Dr. McCullough himself said that they probably should get vaccinated if you're 80, 90 and sort of at their age group, um, then it's definitely something to consider because there is a, a window of some benefit, um, whether it's it's 1% or 10%, who knows, but that small window there. Um, it's probably worth it for someone who's 80 or 90 years old, who's lived their life. And, you know, you'd almost weigh it up and, and you might consider it, but I get it for those elderly people. Mm. I understand, like, I understand mask wearing. Like, if it eliminates the risk, even if we know that they're nowhere near as effective as they make them out to be. But um, for those people, it's probably better than nothing, and I get that. Um, but that's how it should have been handled from day one, though. It should have been like that where, you know, not even don't mandate, mandate should never be in place, period, but encourage, spend the same amount of money they're spending on everyone and, and, and aim that target that at that age group where, listen, you should probably get vaccinated, you should probably wear a mask, all that, if, and leave everyone else alone, especially when you're talking about 20 and 30-year-olds. Like, it's completely unnecessary. It's completely mm. unnecessary. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like if they would have done things differently from the beginning, for example, isolate the elderly. As much as I don't agree with that entirely, there's a little bit of logic behind it. You could justify it. You know, if they if they locked down nursing homes for a period of time, or if the, you know the cases were up in a particular area and they locked that 
a nursing home in that area down, you would understand it um, to a certain extent because it's, it's logical. But the problem is the people that are at risk from this thing, which are 80 and 90-year-olds, they're not dealing with the other consequences, which are business closures, loss of jobs, um, loss of freedom and ability to go do what you want, go to the pub, go to the club, you know, whatever, the things that, that younger people do. Um, and I would say that they've been impacted much worse, much worse than the elderly. But at the same time, they're not the ones that, that really should be suffering through this. Um, like mortgages, for example, people can't pay their mortgages. I know that many people that have struggled in the past two years to pay their rent, pay their mortgage, their car payments, all the rest of it. Um, whereas someone in the 80s and 90s is probably living in a home that they own outright. You know, their cars are paid off. They don't need, they haven't got financial commitments. Um, so, you know, if they can't go out for three months and they're not that they would be working anyway, I mean, there's no risk really for those people besides the risk of the actual virus to them. So it's um, very conflicting, but it's been handled incorrectly. And I think the longer this has gone on, the more that's become obvious. And not only, it's become obvious that it's not accidental, mm. right? So you could probably say within the first 12 months that even if it's handled uh, incorrectly, that you know, they're still learning themselves. I don't know anything about this virus. They're, they're making it up as they go. You can give them a little bit of, you go, okay, I'll cut them a little bit of slack. But now we know the data is out there. We know what works and what doesn't work. You know, at this point, everything they do is deliberate and intentional. Like, for example, the, the mandates, like the fact that there's still mandates, vaccine mandates, blows my mind. Because we know that it doesn't make a difference. We know that. We know that if you get vaccinated, you can still get it and pass it on. In fact, over 99% of all new cases uh, in New South Wales anyway are in people that are double vaccinated. Over mm. 99%. Now, only 95% of people in their, their statistics are fully vaccinated, 95%. But there's 99% of all new cases are double vaccinated. Um, so it's it's concerning but it's also a wake-up call for a lot of people myself included um as you said you said it very well that um governments have never really been trustworthy ever mm. but their decisions and their actions didn't really impact us the way they have in the last two years that's why a lot of it went unnoticed like if they want to do you know um deals under the table and all the other bullshit that they do and and you know bribe the media and all the rest of it but that doesn't we don't even know about that because it doesn't impact us doesn't come into our space but now it does it's invasive it's invading all our lives it's ruined a lot of our lives so i think that's why a lot more people are noticing it now as opposed to five to ten years ago when they still weren't trustworthy they're still doing the wrong things but we just didn't know about it mm. i think going back to the very first thing that you sort of mentioned um how um you were saying it was never handled properly i i agree like i think at the very beginning, like I'm talking March 2020, when we sort of first heard about COVID um, and, you know, we were getting videos from China of people foaming at the mouth and collapsing on the street. You can understand a period of grace for the Australian government, for our health officials to go, hang on, 
what's going on? We have videos from China of people getting dragged into vans, people collapsing on the street, people having seizures, all of these things which are not symptoms of COVID now we know. Um, but was, that's the information that we were getting. No one in Australia was really infected by it and not severely at all. So you, you can understand a buffer period where we get hit with this info and we're sort of divulging it and sort of going through it um, analyzing it but then it gets to a point where the grace is finished where we know the beast that we're dealing with we know the vulnerable categories of who the beast can affect more than others and I think what it stems down to I I would actually like almost disagree that we should isolate even the elderly because I'm more in the understanding of how culturally speaking, we've lost our ability for personal responsibility. And that includes the elderly, that includes everybody. And so I'm actually of the category, I agree with what you said on, um, I guess, targeted resourcing. And so I think once we finish that buffer period, that period of grace, all of our efforts should have gone into the facts, into the science, which is elderly, people with uh, comorbidities, uh, people um, who might be, you know, battling cancer or in palliative care, people who have autoimmune diseases, things like that. That's where our resources, our time, our money and our efforts should have been going. And the rest of it should have been left to personal responsibility. If you are scared, stay at home. And if you're justified to be scared because you have these other things, then maybe the government can assist you with working from home, with giving you a, a you know assistance with medical things. But again, I'm I'm pretty extreme, I would say, with my views even on public health care. That's a whole nother subject. But I think um, things would have been very different if we had a promoted personal responsibility and we had to put all of our efforts and time and the millions of dollars that we've spent into the people that COVID actually could possibly affect. Um, so, yeah, and I think, as you mentioned also uh, just at the end there, um, how all of these new statistics are coming out with the vaccine. And again, we're ignoring objective truth. Again, we are ignoring science. Um, and this is why nothing is logical. Nothing makes any sense because it's right there in front of us, but we would rather, uh, you know, believe this fear propaganda, this fear porn that the government, the mainstream media are perpetuating that Karen down the road and Gavin up the street are kind of fostering. Um, and I think at this point in time, you would have to be one sandwich short of a picnic to believe any of this, of what is going on about COVID. It's pretty clear what it is now. You're either, as I said, one sandwich short of a picnic or you love it. You love the fear, you love the control, and you've been desperate for the government to govern you harder, like yeah. at this point in time. Definitely. And I think a lot of people do enjoy that fear, right? They enjoy the drama. And mm. that's why people watch Neighbours and Home and Away. Like, seriously, <laughs> I don't know whether you like those shows or not, but fuck me. It's a when punish. I was a teenager, <laughs> that's right. maybe. It's a punish. It's a dead set punish. And, but let's just go, there's obviously an audience there. Clearly, it's been around for so many yeah. years, right? So people love that drama and the, the you know, if they can, and people intentionally do try to cause drama and they, you know, getting involved in everyone's business and 
making a big deal out of nothing and taking things personally when they're getting offended over something they shouldn't be offended about. Like, but that's the way people are. And so when you add this on top of that, and they've got something to be really fearful of in their mind, they just, they get like, there's a bloke at, he, so I put something up the other day and he took personal offense to it. Right. And I said, listen, mate, I said, there's like thousands of tens of thousands of people have followed me. Right. Why the fuck would I put a post? I don't even know you. How can you take offense to what I say publicly? Like it's not, I, I don't even know you exist. No offense. But that's fact. So how can you pers- how can you take that personally? I don't get that. But that's the way people look at everything, right? Mm. Where you can find something, you can find a negative in everything if you look hard enough. And we're seeing that now, like today, that news of the fact that, that uh, what's his name? Mike McGowan is like stopping parents from seeing their fucking children in hospital if they're not vaccinated. Mm. Now, I heard about this weeks ago, the fact they were considering it and weighing it up. And I thought there's no way in the world this would happen only because look, I've been wrong about a lot of things in terms of my expectation of, of the public, you know, surely they won't let that happen. And then it happens. But this was like Mm. that, like, that's different. This is like, you're talking about getting involved in a parent child relationship. Mm. And as a surely, you know, members of government over there in Western Australia won't, approve of that surely there'll be some media backlash because that's extreme and the next thing it's they've done it and the media are not only speaking about it they're applauding him mm. that particular woman that i shared this morning that susie o'brien that uh, I've, I've i've heard about her before um a few things you said in the past she's a miserable cunt but she is applauding that right and i'm like how can you applaud that like i don't care how supportive you are of of mass vaccination and and masks and mandates and but that's taking it to that next level like you're actually a psychopath at that point well they've dehumanized us what they've done is very careful use of language so it's like it's like the word racism I think Thomas Sowell once said, racism has become like ketchup. You can slap it on anything. And I guess the word anti-vaxxer has entered that realm too. It's not what it was. I mean, I served for 12 years. I had to have every vaccine under the sun to do that. And I did that. And I did it willingly. Well, I wanted to to have that particular employment. So I did it. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's very simple, but they've literally changed definitions to fit the narrative. And I think this particular woman has basically dehumanized people who haven't taken the COVID vaccine. And people like her have done that through clever use of wording. It's deliberate. It's intentional. It's not subtle. But Mm. they have slapped us with this anti-vaxxer word so that has this negative connotation. So as soon as you hear this person is an anti-vaxxer, it's like, oh, and you have this immediate response to that, similar to the word freedom or patriot. It's like it's they're dirty words now. Uh, And I think journalist is another one. But, um, you know, it's kind of what these people do on mainstream media. They are dehumanizing us so that they can justify treating us lower than humans because that's what they're doing. They see themselves here and they see us below them. It was Charles uh, Spurgeon who said, six feet of dirt makes all men equal. And I hold to that, but these people don't. And they see us below them. They see them up on this pedestal above us. 
looking down on us. Um, and the way they justify, as I said, they desensitize um, the public to dehumanizing us. And that's what she's doing. And that Nat Bar chick, I think her name is, who's the host, she was laughing under her breath during that as well which was really condescending and patronizing to parents who are possibly going through some of the worst moments of their life. When your child is in hospital, when your child's going through a vulnerable moment of their life, it's like, that's the worst case scenario for a parent and a child. And they're laughing at difficult circumstances, which again, as you said, shows them to be psychopaths. But just to clarify the thing with Western Australia, I've received a lot of messages from parents whose children are in hospital who said they actually are allowed to go, but they have to apply for an exemption. And part of the exemption is if your child is dying uh, or has extenuating circumstances and there are no carers or guardians who are vaccinated, then one parent can go. But if I also posted on my Instagram, and you can look after the podcast, a uh, statement that the Western Australia Health has re- released, which basically puts uh, unvaccinated parents in a different situation to vaccinated in that they have to come in different entrances. They have to only attend different rooms. Um, As I said, there's only one parent that can go and they have to get ushered through different hallways. They basically treated like they are the plague Um, and they've limited timeframes and there's all restrictions around the unvaccinated. So even though, um, you know, just because people like to fact check, I thought I would, I better you know, clarify all of these things um, that apparently the mainstream media have actually got it wrong. So that Nat Bar chick, that Susie chick that you posted, they and Sunrise Daily Mail also posted about it. Everybody's got it wrong in mainstream media because apparently as per the legislation and the health requirements, one unvaccinated parent can visit. So you've got to ask the question then, Why are the mainstream media not being held accountable? Because imagine parents who are turning on Sunrise who just believe everything that they hear, whatever it might be. I doubt unvaccinated people at this point are those people, but let's say they are. Um, They see that and go, my kid's in hospital. I better go get the vaccine. That's like the mainstream media. That's a huge uh, mistake to make. Um, Mm. That go, that, that's a, that's a big thing to make a mistake. Is it deliberate? Yeah, let's, let's be honest, it's, it's not a mistake. You can't call it a mistake because a mistake would imply that it's accidental. It's yeah. not. We know for a fact what they're doing. They, they've done it. They do it daily with all different yes, issues. They do. So it's definitely not a mistake. It's deliberate. Um, but It's going to come, though. We have, like, I mean, even if it's one at this stage, um, McGowan, uh, they, they all want it. And is this just another way to desensitize us to the idea that this is to come? Because like all things, as I mentioned before, if you desensitize human beings to an idea, then it becomes normalized. And you can't just bang, hit people with this big idea and go, swallow this. You give them baby things, you mix up the food and you spoon feed them for a little bit. And you can see the media throughout this whole pandemic has done that. And so usually something will come out and then next week that's gospel, that's law. So even though this has come out and apparently it's not a hundred percent accurate, I don't doubt that this is probably something that is going to happen in the future. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And I think that's going to be, I'll look at something there and I wish I didn't because it, it drives me fucking insane. When I think, you know, if something like that, for example, that incident, I'll think, um, okay, well, they're doing this, so there must be something else coming after that. Or this is just, you know, a baby step towards something bigger. Mm. Um, And I don't like that. 
I said, it was a fuck to me. You, I can see you do the same thing. So you look at something and you, you go, okay, they've done this, but why are they doing that? Even though that in itself is wrong, you, you know that there's probably something more to come from that. And yeah, that's what I've noticed has happened um, a long time. Like I can tell you now in the, in the past few weeks, if you do some um, quick searches on news.com.au, seven news, they're probably the two worst for it. Um, you'll see that they're starting to really talk about climate lockdowns. I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're comparing how, um, you know, how COVID lockdowns <laughs> helped emissions and all these other stuff. Um, you can see what's happening. You can see it mm. in advance if you mm. pay attention. But unfortunately, we're still at a point where if you say that to the average person, oh, listen, they're, they're, they're planning or they're, they're considering lockdowns in the future for climate. They'll go, again, conspiracy theories, you get labelled, right? Mm. Um, and it's unfortunate because what it does, it, it holds us back because there's so many people. Malcolm mm. Roberts, the conversation we had the other day, he made that point that he referred to COVID as just foreplay for what's going to happen mm. by the time we get to 2030. Um, he, he spoke about climate lockdowns and digital IDs and all the rest of it, which is already... Um, happening but you know people still won't believe that they'll think oh he's just a you know he's just a nutty politician who's lying because he wants to be in power and people refuse to believe until it slaps him in the face and at that point they try and justify it and go oh, it's, for, it's for the greater good it's for the greater good you know um, you can't see your parents for three months but it's okay it's for the greater good but who are you to say that like you have no idea what's, what's the greater good for me. We're all different, but that's the way they work. And they work together, the media and the government, they all work together. And people who think otherwise, you only got to look through history and can see that. But mm. I guess lies are easier when you have the media and the government saying something and you go along with that, I guess it would give them some level of comfort that they, they, mm. you know, they follow that way of thinking and that, you know, they're not an outcast in a sense. And um, I understand that from the perspective of wanting to just fit in and blend in. I mean, a lot of us do. A lot of people would rather just go with the crowd than, than stand out. And because let's be honest, you know as well as I know that we cop an intense amount of criticism and messages and all the rest of it mm. that comes along with it, right? So the average people just can't take that. They can't deal with it. Like if someone says something about them in a neg like something negative or even a threat, they like self like they, they can't deal with it. They have a meltdown over that. So it's easier for those people just to continue to go along with it. Don't speak about it, even if they know it's ethically wrong. But those people are the reason why we're here. Mm. In my opinion. I yeah, I think what I'm really starting to see is people prefer their short-term comforts over their long-term freedoms. But what they don't realize is by choosing security over freedom, these short-term comforts, um, they're going to end up with neither of those things. They'll end up neither with their comforts or with their freedom because a one-way ticket to communism is by choosing security over freedom. Um, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of Australians go, I just can't be bothered to lose my job and have to find a new one. I can't be bothered to, you know, have to do A, B, C or D because I just want to sit in my home and I just want to go to bed at night and I don't want to have to think about it. And, you know, like for such a long time, we probably haven't needed to 
be so vigilant with how we process information and do things, but it's at that time now where you're right. It's because of the complacency, because we have cultivated a culture where we do prefer security over freedom that we have gotten here to this particular point. And I actually think it stems, it's like this generational curse. We came out um, in Australia, what, 200 years ago as a penal colony and we're there again. And I think, you know, I always ask myself, why is America um, so different to Australia in terms of their understanding of freedom? And what I think it was is we came out here placing the government as our God and as our parent and as our provider. We came out here as convicts. So the government has always been implemented in such a way that we look to them for our answers. We look to them um, for them to take responsibility of us. And we basically look to them to give us our freedom. That's how we came here. Um, Whereas Americans, they literally fought for their independence, for their freedom. And they built their constitution. They built their federalist papers. They built uh, even their culture basically very differently to how we built our culture. And I think over the years, it's left us, it's left these decaying rots in our system and it's incredibly flawed. And I don't actually see this as a short-term solution. I think that we've got a really long way to go in terms of reformation as a nation. Um, I'm not even sure at this point in time it's completely possible. I feel like we might be able to, get it back to a place of plateau where it's not as bad as it is here. But fundamentally, our nation is incredibly flawed. Um, our, you know, in America, they just recently had their Supreme Court overrule the federal mandate for employees with over 100 um personnel not having to have the vaccine we went i don't know if you remember but we had afl solicitors and a few other people try to go to our court systems over here and it failed how mm. why what is the difference it's not based on the same constitutional federalist papers that they are in america in america they're a very god-fearing nation culturally as well they have God here and then nations underneath of them. And the men and women, I guess, who cultivated the culture and the men who formed the nation wrote those things with that in mind. And it's interesting. Australia is a very agnostic nation. We are very atheist and agnostic. Um, religion is like a dirty word over here. Even if you're not really a practicing religious person, a Christian, whatever you are in America, you still basically say you fear God above the government. You still basically mm. say um, as a patriot in America that you, you believe in God, even if you don't really act like a Christian, so to speak. You, you see um, a lot of patriots over there saying the Lord's Prayer as a normal thing at rallies. But for us over here, this is a new thing. Like I am a Christian, but I've grown up not really being able to talk about it much because it's looked really negatively. So I think there's a really big difference in culture in terms of America and Australia. Um, and I think we have a really long way to go if we're ever going to correct it. Yeah, definitely. And I think the first step, <clears throat> the most important step is to get, Liberal and Labor out of power, which has been what seventy years now. They've been in control of this. I've never country. known any different. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Only, that's the only two. That's, that's right. Yeah. Now, what do you think in terms of Liberal and Labor? Do you believe that? I guess to some extent, they're one. 
Um, I think that liberal today is Labor 10 years ago. And I think Labor today is the Greens 10 years ago. And I think the Greens today are just Satan. Um, So I pretty much think that uh, the Liberals today are definitely not um, what they once were. I think that they are very much... um, what labor was like, as I said, decades ago. And I think everyone's progressively gotten worse as it goes. And these independents that are coming through are kind of the new liberals, um, but liberal and labor and greens, they're all birds of the same feather. If you ask me, I think that I, I'm not sure. I believe that we're in a position to have a different party other than liberal and labor to take the federal sort of, um, elected power. Um, I'd like to think that we are, but I just don't think that we are, sadly. But what I do think we are capable of doing is getting a lot of seats. And as we saw in Victoria, there were those three independent seats with that permanent pandemic legislation that held all the power. So I don't think you need um I think it's ideal to obviously get them all out and have these independents in, but I think we can move forward and we can get some traction and we can do good with the independent parties taking a lot more seats. And then with that will come change. And then the next one, we get a bit closer, the next one, a bit closer, but I still think we're a long way off getting them out of power. But um, I just think that's where we're at as a nation. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to sugarcoat it. I'd love to look at the positives, but I'm also very much a realist and I can't see them coming out. And I, as you, the question, sorry, back to what you said is I do think they're very much um, from the same sort of uh, spectrum. Yeah, I think so. And that's what I've noticed is that they sort of complement each other in many senses. And I think, you know, it's hard because we look at the two leaders that we have at the moment. We've got Scott Morrison and um, Albanese. Now, I don't like either of them. Like, mm. I see just egos. And, and what was interesting yesterday, did you see the text message from the correspondence with Gladys and someone else in the to about Scott Morrison? Mm, yeah. They, they caught him that he's, he cares about politics more than people. And um, you can see that in him and you can see that he's not genuine well i noticed that from day one the, the, mm. the front he puts on of being you know a shark supporter and going to the footy and having a beer just trying to be like just a regular um aussie who enjoys sport and all the rest of it when it comes time to make decisions for the people um he just simply doesn't do that and we're seeing that now more than ever but albanese isn't the right man either Certainly not. <laughs> he 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 creeps me out to a certain extent. Like he's a bit he's a bit fucking weird. He's a weird <laughs> character. But I think you know people that you know people think that one of the minor parties will get into power, and there's no fucking way in the world. It's not going to happen. Unfortunately, mm. as you said, it would be nice. Um, but look again. Besides one nation, um, I guess I've been around for a while now, and we know where they stand on a lot of issues. But a lot of these smaller parties that are sort of popping up, hmm. I don't know whether they have a plan other than ending the mandates and, and, and sort of fixing where we're at at this point due to the pandemic. I don't know beyond that what their plan is. And that's concerning as well. Because as much as we want our freedom back and we want these mandates to be finished, all the rest of it, but we've got to think beyond that too. We've got to think constant 
uh, progression in a sense where we can take back our country, which is going to take a lot of work. And as you said, it will take a long time for that to happen. But I don't know whether a lot of these minor parties even have the answer. Mm. Um, but I guess, you know, they go out, they do their work and they speak about the mandates. And um, I think every party should be discussing that and should have a plan in place for that. But mm. um, there's not much talk other than that, which makes you think, well, what, okay, let's just say you do get into power. You end the me- terrific, no more mandates, no more um, vac- well, mandatory vaccination anyway. Uh, and we can move on, but then what? Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting the uh, response to these new independent parties coming through. There's been like a lot of division over it, and I, um, like all things, I'm pretty analytical in the way I think. Um, this is just not a creative bone in my body. So I'm over analytical, I think. But I sort of sat back. I didn't join any political parties. I still haven't to this day. I'm just waiting patiently to kind of see what is happening. I, I, I really like One Nation because they have been around for a long time. They were, I like the fact that they were pre-COVID. And this is with a lot of influencers. This is with a lot of you know, social media personalities. This was a lot. There are a lot of things that have come out during COVID, which is not necessarily bad. I think it's great that people have become more vocal throughout COVID. I think it's amazing that more people want to step up and do good. But um, there are people and uh, political parties who have been around before COVID that give us an idea of where they stand and what they do. And I guess time is all that we can really be offered because like all politicians, they're very good at um, sales. They're like Mm. glorified salesmen. And so you've got to keep that in mind with all things. And um, I think career politicians uh, probably not ideal. You've got to ask why was Donald Trump so successful in the USA at the time? And it's because he was everything people wanted, which was not a politician. People mm. don't want politicians in power anymore because people are starting to see you can't trust them, that it is about playing a game, it's politics, it's et cetera, et cetera. Um, they liked Donald Trump because he was a businessman. He understood the burden of owning a business, of taxation, of this. He's a family man. He's got multiple children. Um, you know, what, what if you think of the man? Like people liked that he was relatable. And I think... Um, you know, that's sort of what we're searching for over here. We're tr- we need to humanise politicians a bit so that we can see what they actually stand for, where their politics is going to take them. Because like me, my theology is what determines my vote. So I want to know what a person's theology is because I know that's going to basically determine their vote and, and that's going to determine what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, it's interest- It's an interesting time right now because I think we're ripe for independent politic revival and I think we need that but like you said uh, there's a lot of division around it and there's a lot of uncertainty we don't really know what's going to happen I'm just sort of sitting back right now and I'm not putting any of my eggs in any baskets and I'm just going to kind of wait and see um, where this all goes there's a lot of uncertainty but we I, I think that it is the time for independent uh, politicians to come forward because that's what we're looking for. So good on them for doing it. And 
I think that this is the time to strike because this is where it's needed. But like you said, we just kind of don't really know what's going to happen after this point. And that's the uncertainty, which is a little bit daunting and scary somewhat. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely daunting. But there are still, like, I love talking to Malcolm Roberts. I, I talk to him regularly. We've got each other's number. Yeah. We text and he's a good guy. You know what I like about him? He's just a normal mm. guy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Where he will, um, politics aside, I, I like talking to him. He's funny. He's yeah. a normal guy. And um, you see that when I speak to him on the podcast, he obviously talks a bit of politics. That's his job. But ultimately, the guy's extremely relatable. And he's happy mm. to say it like it is and call out bullshit for what it is. And, um, you know, he's been on this climate thing now for ages where he's been calling it out for, for bullshit. Mm. And, you know, I like the fact that he's open to our debate. In fact, I heard not too long ago, he was on a radio show and people were calling in to debate him on climate. That's the, that's mm. We need more of that. We need yeah. these people willing to put themselves out there and back up what they're saying because a, a huge problem that we have is censorship. Now, censorship is something that is extremely dangerous, but it's deeper than that. I don't think people understand the extent of... There's a lot of censorship that happens that we don't know about because we don't see it. It's like when you type in something into Google, for example, right? just say you type in who should I vote for, right? They will populate results, right? And they're, ta- they're targeted. They're there for a reason. And they can influence, because a lot of people, um, I definitely don't do that, and I'm sure you don't do that, but a lot of people will believe what they read in the first few um, so, uh, results on Google search, right? And they'll go along with it. It can really persuade and influence people's decisions, not just on, on uh, voting and, and politics, but just across the board in general. You know, you can easily, they could easily make you think <clears throat> ill about someone by putting up a lot of negative uh, pages about that person. If they want you to think favorable about someone, they will put up just positive things. And I've, we've seen that. It's happened many times. And that's extremely dangerous because, well, I don't put a percentage on it, but high 90s would get their news from Facebook and Google, right? Mm. Both of them manipulate results. Now, that's, that's influencing more than 90% of the population where Google has become the internet. Like, it's literally the internet, right? There's a lot of things on the internet, but Google really, if you think internet, Google, first thing comes to mind, right? Mm. Um, and Facebook sort of ties in with that in a sense where a lot of people get their news from Facebook. So if there's an article that Facebook don't want out there, or doesn't fit because we don't know what their agenda. We don't know what Facebook's agenda is. Remember, they're they're a company, they're a business. They may have a certain political um, side that they want to favour, and they can do that through manipulation of search results and all the other things. And it's a huge problem, and it's definitely been our undoing for a while now. That but people don't realise it because they don't see in the background there's this algorithm that works. We don't see that. We know when people like Dr Malone get censored off Twitter. Right, he got his account removed. Mm. We know that because we can see that. But we don't know what else goes on behind that. And I think we need to, there needs to be some sort of um, independent body that oversees these uh, tech companies, especially Google and Facebook, because they can, they can do what they want, really. They can do whatever they want. And they're not regulated in that sense. 
Um, and I think that that's a huge problem as well, which has been happening, as I said, for a number of years now. But it sort of all leads us to this point where you can't speak out against the narrative. If you do, you'll be censored. You get your account removed. Now, who's to say that they're right and the people that I speak to are wrong? Who determines that? Like, why is some doctor in Melbourne who advocates for the vaccination of children, why is he right? But yeah, people like Dr. Malone are wrong. Who determines that? There's no transparency in who determines that. Um, mm. There needs to be, they need to be held accountable for that. They really do. We need a, an independent body that oversees nearly everything they do. Because, you know, we don't know the truth. We know what we know based on what we see. Mm. There, there could be something, there could be a plague in, in the middle of Sydney CBD. And we would not know about it if Facebook and Google censor it and they, and they contain it. We wouldn't even know about it, right? So this is where a lot of the problems stem from. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, I've said this before, it's the absence of objectivity and debate that is the language of the oppressor. It's a pretty simple test to see who's oppressing who when you look at that who's being silenced, who's being censored. This new cancel culture, all of these things, that's actually who the real oppressor is because mm. science has become fiction um, and, you know, uh, fantasy has become reality and we're living in this dystopian nightmare where we're being told what to think instead of how to think. And I think it, a lot of it comes down to our education system and indoctrination as well. You used to go to school and you would be taught logic and reason and objectivity and debate. You'd be taught all these really good life lessons that you can carry for the rest of your life. Now it's just a test of your memory. You mm. need to remember this because this is the truth, but they're not teaching you how to assess the truth. And that's sort of, uh, I guess, digressed into... Um, the information that we are seeing online on Facebook, on Google and all of these things, it's just one side of the coin. And as you said, we're not allowed to see the other side of the coin. I'm in two minds about the um, governing bodies looking into it. I'm very much uh, for freedom, almost holistically, where I'm like, if it's a business, do what you want in your own business. The problem is government are using these businesses for their propaganda. So that's maybe where I would agree with you because I'm like, it's not really a business. It's not really a company um, because the mainstream media are a mouthpiece for the government and social media has become a mouthpiece for the government. So it's very much become a governmental tool as opposed to just a private business. Private businesses, I'm like, that's your business. I'll take my business elsewhere. But yeah, this is kind of edging in. It's not really operating as a private business, even if that's what it is on paper. So maybe I would agree with what you said based on that logic. Um, but it's certainly not what it was allegedly made for. Like, I don't know if you've seen that movie where they um, portray Mark Zuckerberg as this little college kid with his mates, you know, trying to invent Facebook, is it called Social Network? I don't know what the movie is I've never called. seen it, but I know what you're talking mm. about, Social Network, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. And, you know, they kind of portray it as a way to connect with friends and it's a really cool idea and it's like, wow, uh, it's certainly not that. If it was just that, 
I wouldn't want the government getting involved in that. But as I said, it's evolved and it's certain. I don't even think it was created for that purpose. I think oh. that movie was propaganda. I think that was just, just trying to, you know, make us believe the lie a little bit more. But yeah, it's really we're en- edging into this territory where it's like we shouldn't even have to be assessing this. And it's it, this is why it's complex and confusing because I'm very much uh, for freedom and the whole idea of that. Like I like just leave me alone. I'm very much mm. a very small government. Like let's have the smallest government possible. Like that's my opinion on things. But then at the same time, because of the beast that we are dealing with, it's like, how else do we police these big issues? So it's a bit of a conflict. Like my my brain is kind of tug of, at tug of war with these two ideas. Um, well, you listen, yeah. you're absolutely right. When, when you said that you don't necessarily agree with governance of, of private businesses, um, 100% I agree with that. But mm. the problem is these, as you said, they're not private businesses. They're yeah. really not. They control so much of the internet, the majority of it. So they they become like, they become, it's hard to put a word to it, but I don't think we even understand the way that they influence the world. We don't have a full understanding of that yet. We know what they do and how they do it, but I don't think we know to what depths they do it. I think you can see by our culture how rotten and degenerate our culture is. I think that's pushed by, I think we can see what they're doing by, by a lot of that. Sorry. Put it this way. You're right. Put it this way. If I was to run for a seat, right. In the next election tomorrow, right. I made my, you wouldn't get it. Okay. I wouldn't get it. That's right. Google would hate you. I know, but let's just say they didn't. Let's say they love me. Right. (laughs) Let's just say Google and Facebook love me. Right. They could manipulate it to the point where I would get in. I know. Yeah. 100%. 100%, That's how powerful Mm. they are. They, they can take people like I've seen them do it in the, and they do it with people. So, you know, mm-hmm. only the other day um, I was scrolling through, I don't scroll through, let me make this clear. I don't scroll <laughs> through news.com.au for news. I scroll through it because I like to see what they're thinking and what they're trying to do. Cause I see what they're doing. I know exactly what they're trying to do. So I look frequently to see what they're up to and what they're saying. And every, every time I go on there, I'll see articles about Abby Chatfield. Now, Abby Chatfield, um, I don't know her personally. I, She's I your friend, her. isn't she? She's not you my friend. You guys talk heaps but on Instagram. Not my <laughs> no fucking way. Not my friend. But, you know, look, I don't hate her. Um, I dislike what she's doing because it's not right, mm. the things that she says and does. But ultimately, she is a product of the media. Like, yeah. let's be honest. If it wasn't for her show and doing what she's doing, she wouldn't even, no one would even know her. But it's because of that. So you get, and we say that with a lot. I've got friends who have been on reality shows who are very good people. But because of that, because they weren't controversial, because they were just normal people, they didn't get pushed into superstardom the way that she has. And it's not just her. There's many examples of that. Um, I'm just using her as an example because she's sort of, at the moment, the, the hot topic where people talk about her. But um, she can do no wrong. Like she fucks up, the media will say, yep, she fucked up, but how awesome was her response to the haters? Like that's the shit you see, right? Mm. It's like they, they create people, they create movements, they create, like, they create careers. Mm. They can do whatever they want to do, right? And that's because they go along, she's doing the things that they want to see, 
she's speaking out, she's telling people to go and get vaccinated and the kids should get vaccinated and all the rest of it. So they want that. Whereas someone like me, who I've had number one show, for, number one for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I don't get any push whatsoever, nothing. And that just shows you what they do and the way they manipulate it. And I think that, you know, how many people are out there that are doing incredible things that we don't know about because they're mm. not doing things that are deemed incredible by those relevant um, media outlets or whatever it may be. So I think that there needs to be something. I don't know how it's going to happen. It, it, it's a huge task, mm. but we need them to be independent because at the moment, these media companies aren't independent whatsoever. None of them, none of them. There's a few smaller ones that are, but the majority of them are. And we need to fix that because so long as that's the case, what are we going to do? It's influencing the next generation of children. Like my kids watch YouTube, right? They watch their fucking whatever, their, their little cocoa melon and all the rest of the shit that goes on there, right? And like a lot of kids. But again, YouTube's Google and they can put what they want in front of the kids. And a lot of it is fucking disgusting. If you actually look at what it is, it's disgusting. Right? It, it, it's the teaching the children to think this way is normal. Don't think that because mm. if you do that, you're this, but think this way. And I don't think we fully understand the depths of that. And I think something needs to be done. How? I don't know. I said it's a huge job, but it can't continue because at the moment it's controlling our lives. And it has been for a number of years. Mm. Yeah, I think that... Um... I think that social media, I think that these uh, agencies like uh, Google, YouTube, they've become weaponized by the agenda, by the lingering narrative. And it is weaponized just, you know, like porn. I'm just going to say it. People hate me for that. But these things have become weaponized and they're used to degrade our once great nation, our once great um culture that we had the things that kind of made our nations prosper the things that made our culture you know successful are being told that they're bad and that's why we're looking outside the windows of our homes and we're seeing degeneracy that's why we're looking outside the windows of our homes and we're seeing the world basically head towards a cliff Mm. um and these are weaponized tools that that um sort of put in front of the most vulnerable, which is our children, in order to influence them. And I think people like Abby Chatfield, like you mentioned previously, are really helpful to the uh, the overall agenda of things because no one likes degeneracy, but how do you make it okay? You make it relatable. You make it acceptable. You put it under the name of intolerance unless you accept it. People like Abby who are leading a different life to what once made our life prosperous, they can use her because young girls can relate to her. Young girls can look up to her and then they can justify within themselves. No, I can do this because she does this and she's fine. She's beautiful. She's attractive. Uh, She's this, that she's famous. She's a star. She can do it. I can do it. And so it's all intentional. It's all deliberate. Mm. Um, And it all serves their purpose, which is to break our nation, you know, and I'm a big believer that you break the home, you break the nation. And that's why they do come after our kids through these propaganda tools. That's 
why they do come after our kids with social media and YouTube and Google. That's why they do censor all these other things because they want to break the home. They want to break our culture. They want to break our nation. So we can become this big globalist cesspool. That's the agenda. They want us to forget where we came from. They want us to forget our heritage. They want us to hate ourselves for our skin color. They want us to hate our neighbor because of this and that. Everything is divide and conquer. And social media and that are just tools to achieve that goal. Um, You follow the money and you can pretty much find the answer. And you look at who has the money, who has the control of the money. They're all linked to these social media things. They're all linked to Google. They're all linked to these, you know, uh, Pfizer's and this and that. Everything's all linked. Follow the Mm. money and you can see the rabbit hole. Um, And once you get in that rabbit hole and you go in, it's no coming out. You sort of see Alice in Wonderland's world that she yeah. saw. Um, that's crazier and crazier, right? You look into one thing yeah. and you're like, that comes from this thing. You look at that, you're like, oh, shit, that's even getting worse. And then, <laughs> But it's the reality of the world. There's no point, there's no point yeah. running from it or denying it. I mean. It's been here for a long time. It has been here for a long time and it's just getting mm. worse. But we're, we're starting to realise that I think um, due to what's happening, due to the, in, you know, these independent medias coming up and and, yeah. and having these interesting conversations and, that's what I think people are starting to realize that hold on a sec, maybe we've been lied to. Like I know that mm. BlackRock, which is, you know, I'm sure you heard of BlackRock, right? Who control most of the assets in the world, right? They're going mm. into cities and like buying up all the housing. Like they're going in and just buying up housing. And what it's doing is driving inflation in these areas. Like the the median house price in Sydney now is over a million dollars. Yeah. How the fuck Crazy. do you tell her? Who do you tell? How do you tell a child? a young adult, 16, 17, listen, you can own a home one day. Well, the house is a fucking million dollars and it's probably a shithole at a million dollars, right? And it, it's these things are happening behind the scenes. But um, listen, before we go, what's up, where do you see things going in the next few years? What do you see happening? Well, sort of what you said, um, you know, stupidity can't sustain itself. And that's something I say often because I I believe it to be true. And I think um, media, social media, all of these big propaganda giants, it's a double-edged sword because whilst they're using it to try and achieve their goal, we are also using it to undo their goal. And I think that's why at the moment, this is happening because we have the ability to search for alternate um, truths and answers. We have the ability to have these discussions like this that we didn't have before. So they've started these things for their goal, for their end. But we've a- I think we've been able to slowly use it for our own gain and waking people up, leading people to water and saying, come on, have a drink. Mm-hmm. Um And so I think we've got, in the next few years, to answer your question, we've got a lot of leading people to water to do. A lot of these conversations and people say, you're not offering solutions, Evelyn. Like you're just constantly criticizing culture and this and that. That is the solution. We've allowed this to go for too long. You know, we've lived with this many idiots all our lives, but we've just never been tested. And this is the moment of leveling. This is the moment of testing. Um, And, you know, society needs a shakeup. And these conversations, these objective debates and these alternate medias and news sources, this is the answer. 
because we can't make change unless people see that there is a need for change. So we need to open people's eyes. So that's what I see the immediate sort of future looking like. Well, that's what we need to do. Um, and what I'm a big believer of is not just saying we need to vote this party out, we need to do this, and I hate the slogan, but I'm going to say it, we need to build back better. We need to build our country back, our families back, our homes back to the point where this can never happen again. Because if we don't build back better and we don't make changes, we don't actually use our hands to build something and to make something, we're just going to go on this endless cycle and go in and out of these phases where if you look throughout history, everything is about rebellion. If you have a conservative government in power, there's always the next generation rebels against that. And then we get a liberal government mm. in power. And then the liberal government comes in power like now, I'm like, wow, this woke world is crap. I don't want this. Yeah. And now more conservative politics is rebelling. We've got to stop being on this rat race around this merry-go-round and actually get off and build better build back differently, build from the ground. And I believe it comes from our homes. I think that if we have the four walls of our homes protected and we raise our kids to, to love Christ, to love and respect that he is above the government, we teach them what that's where freedom comes from. We teach our kids to love and respect freedom and we build differently. Then we're not going to be back here again in 10 or 20 years and our poor grandkids or their kids aren't going to be having to have these conversations again. So short term, conversations like this you know uh, opening people's eyes leading people to water and then building better that's sort of how I see things going but I don't think we're at the end of it as you said long way to go um, there's a lot of people who are still asleep and that's the reality of it so I think we're in for some hard times but as the saying goes hard times create strong men and that's where we're headed yeah I think there's definitely some positives to take from it and you just said it brilliantly that these conversations are happening people are using those platforms um against them in a sense um they would love to shut everyone down do you know how much they would love it to just delete everyone's <laughs> account they would love it but they got to justify it then and then if they start doing that they've got to be careful because they start doing that people are going to say well hold on you're not really independent you like you're taking a side um that's the only reason why we're still here, let's be honest. Otherwise, they will just erase their accounts whenever they want. Um, so we're lucky we still have that. Um, I don't think these other platforms like Getter is a, are a solution because uh, while in theory they're good, right, free speech, you, you can go there, say what you want, hooray, terrific. But the people that need to hear it aren't on those platforms. Yeah. Everyone that's, that's on there already knows. They know what's up. Mm -hmm. You don't find some, some you know, I'm not going to label people, but a particular type of person on Getter, when everyone is speaking Karen. against what they believe it. Karen, that's there you go, better term than any Karen. <laughs> poor Karen, or oh, poor all the decent Karens out there. I feel bad. My mother's name's Karen, and I hate it. Oh. Like, oh, that's right, suck it up. You're different. You're not. You're a different type of Karen. That's right. Just pat on the back. It's okay, mum. Yeah, <laughs> not you. That's right. But it's crazy. <laughs> like, but people, need to, the Getter, yes, good idea. Uh, will it solve the problem? No, it won't. Simple as that. No, it won't. Um, it's not going to happen but important to have it there but the problem is you find a lot of those platforms also attract the wrong Re sort of crowd proper extremists proper extremists like proper like okay i'm on all platforms um i have uh 55 or more thousand on twitter i get so many death threats but you know where the worst comments i get is on gab 
<laughs> I tell you what, I Gab's love brutal. Gab and I love I love the guy who made Gab. Uh, he's awesome human being, lovely Christian man, really respect him. But my goodness, I've I had some horrible things said on Gab, and I'm like, oh, then I'm like, I need to practice what I preach and not be sensitive to this and just block and move on. If I can't handle it, I got to get off. Um, so it's interesting, as you said. You, you get the wrong crowd. Like I'll get, I'll go to a certain platform. Like everyone on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter embraces me, right? As just being Australian and trying to just give people a platform, I guess, to share their opinions and not get mm. censored. But when I go on Gab, I'm no longer that. I'm like, you don't, re- <laughs> you don't look Australian. What are you? What's your background? They start getting inquisitive, right? Yeah. Um, we I get that other platforms, but um, I think, yeah, they've been attacking religion for a long time. And the reason why they attack religion mm. is because religion gives people a moral compass, right? And pretty much everything religion teaches, they're currently going against, right? Most of the things that are taught in religion as the core fundamentals of that faith. And a lot of them are the same. If we look at um, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, a lot of those religions have some very, they have some crossover fundamentals that are consistent between all of them. Um. And that's something they're attacking because they have to, because if the world is religious, this half the shit that's going on won't be happening. Well, with religious people, I think what it is, is um, uh, religious people hold their accountability to Christ as Mm. opposed to government. And, you know, the biggest threat to the government is a group of people who pledge their allegiance to something greater than the government. And I think that's what people who have faith, I'm a Christian, so I get my authority from God and I don't get it from man. Um, and it's, that's the difference. We have that um, accountability. We have that personal responsibility. Um, and we don't look to the government as the Messiah, mm. we don't look to the vaccine as the savior. We look to Christ and that's a huge difference. And that's why they want to break it down. Because if we don't bend down knee to God, we bend it to Caesar. We bend it to the government. That's exactly mm. what they want. They want to convince the people that they're God and that they have control over us. That's- you know what's crazy? So I, have a, I randomly have these thoughts where, and I don't really speak about it, I guess, because it's hard to articulate correctly. So, but I'll try my best. So sometimes <laughs> when, you, when you get told something, right? So you get told, like breaking the law is different. Like if you go out and, and hurt someone for no reason, then you probably should be punished. It's a shit thing to do. But to be told that, listen, we, we say that you can't see your mother. You can't mm. visit your father for a period of time. You've done nothing wrong. You haven't broken the law, but we're saying it's in everyone's best interest if you don't visit your grandmother. And in fact, if you do, we're going to fine you for that, right? Even things with plants, like we can't grow. Cannabis is a great example. I use it all the time. Not that I'm a cannabis smoker, but it's a fact, right? Cannabis is a plant. The the poppy plant they use to make opium and, and all the rest of the shit they make, the pharmaceutical companies buy up, right, to make money. They, they use it. To, there's a huge farm in, in down in Tasmania where most of the world gets their opium-based products and morphine and all the rest of it. Now, who are the government to dictate that this is property of the government or this is pro- you can't grow this. If you grow this plant, we're going to send you to jail for that. I often have that thought. I'm like, when you think about it, I'm equal to them. Like we're all just human beings. Like Scott Morrison is no superior to me. Like if there's a, 
a calamity, just say there's a, there's a, there's a tsunami and it's heading straight for me and Scott Morrison. He's not going to decide to, oh, I better not hit Scott. I better just hit him. Like we're equal in terms of, mm. of, of being beings on planet earth. We're all equal. And that's what sometimes gets to me a little bit. I understand there's going to be law and order. Yes. But it's when you have ridiculous things like you can't do this because we said you can't do that. Well, who the fuck are you? Okay. I get it. You're a government. Yes. Terrific. But who are you to tell me I can't have something that is from the earth? Like what gives you that power? That's what I often think that I'm, I try to like um, explain it properly, but it comes out all fucking crazy. But you understand what I'm saying? It's crazy that we've put them in a position where they have more rights and can tell you as another human being, no different to them, what you can and can't do, especially when you start talking about your body. Like you can't put this into your body because we said you're not allowed to. Who are you to say that? That's sometimes I think about, I try and work it out as logically as I can, but it's, um, it's crazy. It's a tricky concept. I, uh, I think that freedom without virtue is chaos. So I'm, I'm definitely not a libertarian. Um, as I said, I think that with freedom comes responsibility. And I think we have a responsibility to love our neighbor and to do the right thing. There are like, when it comes to drug use, it's, this is a very complex subject. We could chat about this for mm. ages. I've seen a really bad side of it in law enforcement. I've seen horrible sides of it. Actually, quick segue this morning there was an article that was released (laughs) and it was a guy who hacked off his male genitalia with a pair of scissors because he was high on cannabis and it was hurting him look it up it was was serious from this morning i was like wow how Uh, high was that guy (laughs) apparently he smoked a bong or something i don't know anyway I digress from that, but I have seen a really bad side of drug use. So I'm kind of, again, at a tug of war because I very much believe in freedom. And as you said, they're plants. There is a lot of interesting rabbit holes, if we want to go down there, about cannabis with pharmaceutical companies, with cures, with lots of things. I've been there, but I've also seen really bad things from cannabis, um, I had a friend shoot herself so in the a, head in front of me. So you're a police officer. I've seen it all. Or you work with the police. Yeah, I I was a police I was a detective in the police 12 okay. years. Well, I yep. guess you would have seen some crazy shit. But I can guarantee I did, you, so. I can promise you that over the years, you would have seen more um, disturbing things from alcohol use than cannabis use. Yes. But it alcohol, close, right? is, al- alcohol is... Alcohol um, is one of the worst legal drugs in the world. And it accounts for 421 people in Australia being admitted to hospital every day. No one wants to talk about it. People like to talk about all these other drugs, like you said. I'm very well versed in this whole thing, but I'm I'm very conflicted because I'm haunted by memories and trauma from the things I've had to witness with drug use on the job. I worked at the child abuse squad, um, so I saw how drugs were used by bad parents on small children. I've seen babies at like literally six weeks old being injected with heroin because oh, they wouldn't shit. stop crying because they were uh, drug affected through the placental 
stuff when they were pregnant with their mum. I've see I've had to pick up babies that have overdosed off the floor. I've seen brain damage on babies from cannabis use. So I'm really traumatized by it. So I everything in me is like I've seen, I'm like, oh, and so I freak out. But then the conservative in me is like freedom. Like, so it's a really conflicting subject for me, but I have been down the rabbit hole of a lot of the things you mentioned and you can't deny that there is a lot of funny business around big pharma and around some of the things you mentioned. I, you can't deny it. Um, but yeah, interesting. I do stand by freedom without virtue is chaos. And that's sort of how I try to live my life. Um, but yeah, in terms of governing things and freedoms, like, freedom of choice for your body with the vaccine. I love it how, uh, you know, late-term abortion, nine months pregnant. This is a practice. This is pretty gory. So I'll put a warning out there if people don't want to hear it. But late-term abortions, what is lawful and what is not? And I had to deal with this in the police as well legally. If the child is born and takes a breath, it's actually left the complete cervical canal of the woman. The baby comes out. It's deemed a life. The whole baby can be born. If the head is still inside the mother, it's still not classified as a life. Nine months. And late-term abortions, what they do is they manipulate the way that labor is performed and how the child is birthed. And like you're a dad, the baby comes out head first. That's the natural way for pregnancy and for labor and birth. What they do is they let the feet come out first and they leave the head inside the mother and then they get uh, scissors and they snip the spinal cord on the, the back fuck? of the baby to kill it. That's late-term abortion. That's that, how they perform happening? it. Yes. Like right yes. now in this country that's happening. Correct. It's it, oh, that? Abortionists. That's late-term abortion. And if you remember in 2018, there was a huge rally in Sydney because we just made legal late-term abortions. We used to have legislation up to a certain amount of weeks and all these things. They moved it basically late-term all the way to the end. We took to protest. It actually got approved under a Liberal government. Gladys actually approved it, who's supposed to be a Christian woman. But this is practice. And all of the women who took to the streets uh, and were like, Yes, let's do this late-term abortion was my body, my choice. I This is my body. I can do whatever the heck I want with it. And now that COVID's come and the vaccine's come, they're like, mm. oh, no, it's not your body. It's not your choice. It's like, which one is it? Make sure. And mm. I don't believe in your body, your choice when it comes to abortion because I believe that the, bo- the baby is a person um, itself. Like, I mean, nine months, come on. Like, If you're, if you're terminating a baby at nine months old, you are killing a fucking baby. There is well, no people way justif- that. Yeah, that, uh, no, well, it's, it's a you know, like. Right, like every- if a baby's born at eight months, for example, if it, a, a lot of babies are born a month early. Three 21 weeks, weeks is the youngest that a, a baby's been born and lived, 21 weeks. 21 weeks, okay. Let's just talk, because I'm sure a lot of babies around 21 weeks don't, or also don't make it. But Correct. let's just talk, let's be conservative and say, you know, just over 32 weeks, 35 weeks, right? That. Is it's a fucking baby. If it's born at that point, then you raise it. Like you put clothes on it, you feed it. It's a baby. It's a human being. Mm. Mm. Why are these people? I didn't even know that. I knew that they could mm. do it in terms of a medical. Is this only in in medic when it's uh, like medical necessity, or is it just if you fucking change your mind at the end? I believe that it's just if you change your mind. It used to be a medical necessity. 
don't quote me on it. Please fact check me. Someone debunk me. I know in America it's whenever you want, like whatever the heck you want. I believe it's it's changed recently, the legislation. So it's pretty much that in Australia now too. So let me get this straight. I still can't believe that. I didn't realise that's how they I didn't realise that's how they did it. Either. That's fucking brutal. Not only is that brutal. I mean, even at 20 something weeks, they pull off the limbs and then they get the forceps and they crush the skull and what? they suck out the it, this is this and this is what I say. If people really want informed consent, let's show them everything. Let's show people how drugs are manufactured. I've seen people uh, ejaculate in methamphetamine when they're cooking it before. That's on the job. I've I've seen it. Um, I've I, let's show kids how methamphetamine is made and what goes into it before they make a choice. Let's show people how abortions actually take place because if people saw the procedure and what they actually do to the body, there I, d- I doubt anyone would get it unless it was at the cost of the mother's life and then she had to. Mm. But there's actually an X-ray, an ultrasound of somebody doing an abortion on a baby that's maybe 20 weeks old and you see the forceps go in because they just pull and grab limbs out and the baby's flinching and going like this to move away and oh, it's like fuck. scared. And and you see it, but this is at 20 something weeks. This is even less than 20 weeks. And it's like if you actually show people these things, give people informed consent I reckon the outcome will be different. And it goes the same with the COVID vaccine, everything. Let's just get it all out. Let's just do it because I think, I think so. people would make very different choices for their life. Absolutely. And that's something that that's the problem when you shelter children too much and when you, you put them in a bubble and they don't yeah. see the reality. Listen, I say to my older son, who's been old, he's 12. So he knows very well that the world is not a fucking friendly place where it's all roses and everyone loves you and everyone's nice. He knows very well that the world is fucked. He knows that. Um, I talked to him about as he gets older obviously I talked to him about different things but he knows that but I don't want him going into a world as an adult thinking that everyone loves him and that no one wants to hurt him and that everyone you yeah. speak to is nice and has good intentions but mm. that's so I can't get over that that's incredible so if, if they do it before the baby takes a breath just before then it's legal it's legal but if they do it the minute after they take a breath they're going to jail for murder correct that's, that's however if the abortion is botched and it fails and they bring the baby out and it's not dead, there's actually law to say they're not allowed to resuscitate or help the baby. They just have to leave it there to die after what they've done to it. What in the fuck? Who, what psychopath even thinks of that? <laughs> Our lawmakers in Australia. This is the thing. This is how censored we are because you are very well versed a lot, a lot of, across a lot of topics and this is new to you. It is new. I'm passionate about this issue. So I've looked into it for like, as I said to you before, like I was commentating and writing for Cauldron Pool long before COVID. And this is something I wrote about quite a lot. That's disturbing. And it's disturbing that people think it's okay. Now, the whole, look, I won't share my opinion. Look, at the end of the day, I haven't really got an opinion on it. I've really given it a great deal of thought, but um you know, if you want to terminate a baby at a very young age, like what's the what's what's the average? Like in terms of like mothers know pretty early on. Oh shit, I'm people pregnant. usually I like the most. Yeah, the most common abortion is before eight weeks, twelve weeks and under is the most common. Um, so what makes a what way. makes a woman say no? I, I don't want to do that. I want to raise it and and everything's fine. That at the last minute go. Oh, you know what? No, I don't want to. Especially the fact that that mother has been through the pregnancy, suffered through the things like the sickness and all the rest of it that comes along with pregnancy is not comfortable. But um, from what I've seen, obviously I haven't experienced it, but 
you know, being with my wife who's done it you now many times, um, I know how um, unpleasant it can be for the mothers to go through all of that. And I've also seen her struggle mentally. Now, is that something that's not taken into consideration that maybe these women, due to hormones, various factors, have gone a little bit struck funny and they decide at the end that they want to do it? Or maybe they just Edit don't this think bit they out can for your it? wife, maybe. That's okay. She was fine, luckily. But I, I know, like, I, I know, I see how yeah. it does affect, I know how it affects hormones and how women are. And, you know, you're grumpy, laughing, crying, smiling, wanting to mm. punch me in the face. Like, I see it. So mm. obviously the emotions are unbalanced, which is mm. standard when you're like a human growing inside your body. Of course, you're going to be all over the place. But we have prenatal, postnatal um, depression. It's very common. You're, it, it's, it's, so how many babies are terminated at that point of, you know, nearly late a, term, a late term when it's um, indicative of, of the mother maybe have going through a mental health crisis? Well, you're not really allowed to question that because that goes against the whole, you know, how dare you question this. A lot of people who are getting late-term abortions say that, you know, they've had a really late scan in their pregnancy and all of a sudden um, something's come up on the scan that shows it might have a deformity or something and then they make that choice. Um, But there's also women, if you look in America, who have had like a scan at like 35 weeks and they've gone, oh, we actually, you know, it's taken us 35 weeks to find it, but there's a heart defect. And when the baby's born, there's like a 90% chance it's going to die. And then the woman will go through the abortion. It'll all happen and the baby's perfectly healthy. And so like, it's like you would know, and I, I know, and lots of, I know lots of women who have had ultrasounds and it's like, oh, we found a, a mark on the baby. It could mean this, could mean that, Ugh, this is going to happen and the baby comes out perfectly fine. So there's human error. There's obviously technological errors in ultrasounds. Um, and yeah, like at that point in pregnancy, like, I mean, unless the mother is going to die, like her life is going to die, I can't see a justifiable reason for it. Well, I look, I'm probably going to be hated for this view, this opinion, but that's okay. Before they hated me, they hated him. Um, I'm against abortion altogether. If you if you speak to um, any um, doctor embryologist who study embryos of life forms, they say life begins at conception. It is an undebatable, indisputable fact life begins at conception the way that people do it is they go what stage of life but i'm of the belief you know, that's just that's uh where i stand on it but again this is a very long topic that we could go into for a very very long time there's lots mm. of complex issues around it all stage of development all of these things um but you, but, you, you should have a right to express yeah. your view and express your opinion um and that's completely fine you know, if you want to, if you don't believe in it, you think that you know that that's your opinion. You shouldn't be targeted for having that opinion. That's what I don't like at the moment. Where you can't have an like, if mm. you say that, oh my god, people are going to go. Oh, you're, and it's ridiculous. You're allowed to have. I'm your waiting opinion. for the hate mail, the death threats. Um, <laughs> no, you won't get it because you know what? I think it's a lot of people appreciate. You can't say in the same sentence. Listen, I want freedom of speech. Oh, but she can't say that. Mm. you have to accept it and if you don't agree with it like i'm not here slamming you or you're more entitled to your opinion but you know what i think it is a very complicated issue and there's a lot of variables there yeah. what would you say in the case of let's just say that 
um, the mother, this is very common, I'm sure you hear it a lot, if the mother was sexually abused and that mm. child is a result of, um, of her being raped by mm. an older man, for example, or just in general, yeah. what do you say in that case? Like, what's your um, thoughts? Yeah, so as a as a woman and as some I feel I feel like um I can understand how that would feel as a woman. I've seen it, I've I witnessed it at work. I as I said, I dealt I worked as a detective at child sex crimes in Australia. I've seen it all. Um and I very much feel compassion and sympathy for people who go through that. And I can understand why people would feel the want to not carry a rapist's child. I'm not saying that you're stupid for thinking that or you're selfish for thinking that. I would probably have the same thoughts if that happened to me. But there is an amazing testimony of a woman who was raped, who completely, I wouldn't say changed because I've always thought abortion is wrong, but kind of made me feel okay with my position in still saying that it's wrong. And it's if, if you go on to cauldronpool.com where I author for, where I write, there is an amazing video that this mother who was raped put out and it's her story with her child and the things and it goes through the life that the, that and all the memories that she would have had, not had with this child had she have gone through with her abortion. And I think once you understand the concept of life and when life begins, and that as soon as fertilization happens and, con- and you know, the, the uh, conception occurs that a new life is formed, then you see that that particular life has rights just like you and just like me. Um, and so with that, I am very much of the belief to protect that life. And if it's difficult emotionally for the mother, my goodness, are there infertility issues out there? And would that child be loved by another parent who can, you know, separate the rape? Like, mm. I mean, yeah, I... There's also an issue, a, a thing that I guess would benefit um, women yeah. in that case. But look, I, I can't, I, 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 it'd be terrible um, to it go would. through that and then be carrying I a don't child deny it would be hard. You. It'd be fucking very difficult. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that's just something, because I often read debates and see people backwards and forwards. That's right. And, that's it's the, it's the com- most common thing that people bring up. What about this? What about this? And, you know, I, I like to sort of show understanding because that's horrible. That would be the worst thing in the world. But we are, we've been told a lie that we're not strong enough to deal with things like this. We've been told that we're too mentally weak. We've been told that, you know, Christ is not the redeemer who can redeem all. We've been told that, you know, um, all that, because it was come under under a circumstance, it's not a life. It's just a disease inside of us. We've been told so many lies. And I think if we break away those lies and we help women see the life that is growing and just how hard it is to conceive and the beauty of that, you know, we can come through it. But I also think Christians like myself and who are so strong on this, we also need to offer assistance and help. And something I'm really big on is, having support for mothers who choose to keep their child. It's all well and good for me to say, um, how dare you abort your rapist child? But I also need to offer them solutions and help and support. And that's something I'm really strong on as well. And there are some amazing organizations in Australia that I am closely a part of. And there's amazing ones in America 
that offer homes and support and mental health and even adoption services at the end of this whole thing for women in these positions, which is really encouraging. And you just see these little babies um, come out of the end of that. And nine out of the 10 times the mother chooses to keep the child. And the one time that um, she doesn't, I've, I've never seen regret that she's kept it. She's grateful that she did. She can move on. And there's another family who can love that child. And yeah, it's a very unspoken subject, but um, very complex. It is. That, that's, that's why I started this podcast for was to hear interesting discussions and, and hear your opinion on things. And I'm sure I'll speak to somebody that has the opposite opinion and that's fine as well. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it's um, look, in my opinion, I think that you, I think that the minute there's a heartbeat, you'd have to consider it a life because when a heart stops, you consider it a death. So we've all heard, you know, when someone's laying in hospital and they flatline, the doctors come in and, and, you know, time of death, such and such. Well, then you'd have to think the opposite is true, that when a heart starts, then that would have to be considered life. But, you know, especially when you consider the fact that they brag about finding life on Mars and it's a bit of fucking bacteria that really means nothing, <laughs> right? And they say, oh, look, we found life. It's a fucking bit of bacteria. Back some space bacteria, whatever the fuck they call it. Let's um, be real. There's that we haven't gone to Mars. Let's be real. Well, I'm just following. I'm just. <laughs> that's what yeah. they're saying, right? I know, I know, so I know. That, that's what they say, and and there's if that's the case, well, then you can't really say that mm. a, a fetus's heartbeat isn't a life when you've just had a bit of fucking nothing in on Mars's life. But that's that's the that's the they'll say what suits them. That's the problem. They actually brought that bill in in Texas recently. In Texas, they've brought in what's called the heartbeat bill, which means if you go and you get an ultrasound and that you find a heartbeat, you can't now get an abortion. So the logic that you're following is a logic that many follow. And in America, they've actually legislated the heartbeat bill. And a lot of women got really upset about it and now go interstate and travel for their abortions because you can't. Texas, Texas is very conservative. Like Texas is like really conservative. Oh, but some parts. you know what? Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but, and we're seeing the benefits of that now where they don't give a fuck in Texas. You can walk around with no mask on and do whatever the fuck you want. No one cares. We've seen that now. Um, the benefit of that. But um, I don't know. My opinion is you'd have to consider it. A heart, you have to consider it a life the minute a heart starts beating because when a heart stops, there's death, right? There's two ends of it. So who says, well, listen, no, it's only a it's only a life when they take a breath. Well, not everything that has a life takes a breath, right? And the way they take a breath may be different. You know, plants, plants breathe, right? Fish breathe, they breathe differently. So you can't, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of issues with that where you could make an argument that, well, who the fuck are you to say that? a life starts at that point. You can't say that. Well, the baby's been getting nutrients from its mother in the womb. It's a fucking life. And the same thing with the heart, when the heart's beating, it's a life, but you'll have people that will find a different argument. That's fine as well. Uh, that's just my opinion on it. Um, and I'm sure the people want to speak to me about it too. And I'll probably get messages, but it's okay because that's what we need more of. We need more of you sharing your opinion, people disagreeing with you. It is what it is. No one's ever going to agree with you hundred percent of the time. But those people respect you enough um, to at least uh, have a conversation with you about it, um, even debate you on it, uh, whatever the case may be. That's what, th that's what we should be doing. 
not just shutting you out mm. and go, I'm gonna cancel, I'm gonna cancel Evelyn. That's like me getting off this and going, you know what? Fuck Evelyn, she's never come back on ever again. Do you know why? Because she said something I don't agree with. That's wrong. Right? That's completely wrong. Um, and I think when we get to that point of understanding that there's billions of people on earth and that you want every single person to have the same beliefs that you do, it's fucking impossible. And if it was, how boring would life be? So um, I don't know. But listen, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. You can come on again and we'll finish this conversation for sure. Yeah. Uh, something we could speak about for a long time, but it's good to hear someone who's openly not afraid to to share their opinions and if there's a bit of backlash from it, well, fuck it, so what? It is what it is. But um, I like you taking on that mentality. It's important. So thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Now, where can people find you online? What's your ats and websites and all the rest of that? <laughs> yeah, th- thanks for having me on and for, yeah, I've been labelled a judgmental Christian cow often, but I'm very unapologetic in where I stand. And like you said, I'm all for the discussion and the debate as long as it's respectful, as long as we don't hate each other. That's you know, that's fine. But you can follow me um, if you want to follow my authored works, my writing on cauldronpool.com. I've also got a Cauldron Pool uh, show, which is a podcast. It's on Apple and Spotify um, and things like that. And just I don't even know my ads on social media, but I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Gab. Um, I am on Telegram, but I don't really use it. Um yeah, all of those sorts of things. And yeah, thanks again for having me on. Hope you don't cop too much backlash for having me on as a guest. Um, and yeah, it it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. We'll definitely talk. I want to talk more to you next time about your detective work. Obviously what you can speak about, obviously <laughs> some things you probably can't, but um, it's interesting because you see a different side of the world that the average mm. person wouldn't see. But um, anyway, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Thanks again.